Hey everyone, this is Kyle here. Welcome back to Strange Days. We are on a season talking about making decisions and today is part two. And yesterday when we looked at uh, the introduction to this, we, we spoke about uh, how we make decisions poorly and we looked at a whole bunch of ways in which we, we do that. And the first one was the fact that we define success far too narrowly. Uh, typically, we, you know, we do it um, in the sense of defining um, success with external metrics and numbers and the graphs going up. Um, and today we need to figure out um, how to redefine success. What does success look like as a Christ follower? What does success look like um, in any realm of life, um, but from God's perspective? And I want to kick off by saying the idea of external metrics or um, you know, ever-increasing growth in numbers or income or whatever it might be, um, <clears throat> is not always a sign of success. Uh, it's, these, are, these things aren't bad, but they're not the only sign. And if you go just to the Bible and look at a whole bunch of characters, you will see there that actually in many cases the numbers um, went down or bad things happened, but it wasn't a sign of failure. Um, there was great success uh, happening in the story, but uh, the, the success was there because the person was following God and doing what God wanted them to do, and they were being faithful to God's call. And a great example of this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, he was a precursor to Jesus. Um, he was the prophet, you know, pointing the way to Christ. And he got a massive following when he was baptizing in the people in the River Jordan and all this stuff. Now, John was a strange character. He ate bugs and honey and he wore camel hair and he walked around in the, in the wilderness. And people would have thought he was a bit strange, which in and of itself already doesn't seem like a recipe for success. But John amassed quite a following. But when Jesus came, John said, I must decrease, he must increase. And what happens is John's followership slowly got smaller and smaller as that was transferred over to Jesus. John's disciples, many of them, which was the big idea, became Jesus' disciples. Already, there's a, there's a, there's a loss in numbers. There's a loss of attendance. There's a loss of um, his following. But it was exactly what God wanted him to do. And John ended up losing his head. Why? Because he was faithful to God in proclaiming his word. Uh, you would say beheading doesn't sound very successful, but in God's eyes, John was 100% successful. So we need to ask, what should success look like in our lives? Um, how can we define it? And this isn't just in the realm of our spiritual life. Um, and I can't remember if I've said this on this podcast, but I don't think there necessarily is a realm um, in, in, in this way. Uh, you know, our spiritual life, there's no such thing as just that slice of the pie. If Jesus is Lord and he's our Lord and we're following him, he's Lord over our whole lives, not just over our quiet times or our life group attendance or Sundays. He's Lord of everything. So we need to figure out what success looks like in Jesus' eyes and apply that to every area of life, business, relationships, you name it. Now, here's a great definition of <clears throat> how we should redefine success from that narrow definition to something more godly and biblical. And I get it from Pete Scazzaro's book, uh, the Emotionally Healthy Leader, which we're sort of tracking through here in this little season. And here's his definition. It's a good one. Success is radically doing God's will. Success is radically doing God's will. If you don't remember anything from this episode, remember that because that's the big idea. That's probably the lens that we need to redefine success through. Radically doing God's will. Remember, we were created by him and for him to be redeemed by him, conformed to his image so that we would love him more, be deeply satisfied in him, display his goodness to those around us and thereby, you know, bringing glory to him. This is what making a success of your life looks like. This is what it looks like. It's doing God's will. It's doing what God wants us to do. 
whatever that looks like. And here's a question, well, where can we find God's will? It's a great question. There's one simple answer, the Bible. The Bible. The Bible is God's revealed will to us. It's, 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 it's everything he's laid out for us for the life and godliness and that, that permeates into every facet of our lives. Here's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Some of you have started to hear me use it a lot recently in, 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 in interactions we've had. But Deuteronomy 29, 29, it's towards the end of Moses giving the law to the people of Israel for the second time before they go into the promised land. And he says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. You'll hear in that passage, that there's these there's these two these two wills, if you could say, that have been revealed there. There's 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 God's revealed will, the things that He has revealed, and there's His secret will, the secret things, the things that He hasn't revealed to us, that He that He that He holds close to His chest. And the things that are revealed to us, which now we can look back and we can read this and say, hey, it's it's God's word, it's the Bible. These things that God has revealed to us in His Bible belong to us. They're for us to own. They're for us to build our lives on, to take hold of with both hands, that we may do them. It's like, Christianity is not just something we, we believe in our heads, but it's something that changes our whole lives and works its, way, works its way out into all facets of our lives. And so he has revealed, he's given us his revealed will so that we might do it. Not that we might guess after the secret things that, that we might never know. Um, God, how is this, how is this, Time and history going to pan out. God, is that person the one for me? Sometimes God doesn't speak those things or reveal those things to us. We're not meant to be going around life trying to guess the secret things of God. We're meant to be going about life pursuing the revealed things of God. Another little angle on this is where well, you could call it the general will and his specific will. In the Bible, God has laid out his general will for all people, for all times. Here is what I should, you should do. Here is my um, my moral law. Here is my pri- my priorities. Here is what you need to satisfy your soul. Here it is, my general will. God gives us in His Bible, but then there is His specific will, where it's you know the Bible doesn't answer the question of um, which type of bread should I buy. I mean that's a very trivial example, but there's so many things that the, the specific is that the Bible doesn't reveal, and. Um, sometimes we are just meant to use common logic and common sense and reason and wisdom. But also there are times where there is specific and special revelation that, that we need. Now, we totally believe in sola scriptura uh, here at Common Ground. And Kyle, I believe this. Um, but that would be different from solo scriptura. And what I mean by this is, and these are, these are co- phrases coined in the, the, the 1500s at the Reformation. But what we mean is, um, sola scriptura. Scripture is our highest authority. But we don't believe um, that it's necessarily our only authority and that God can't speak to us outside the Bible through things like dreams and visions and prophecies and God's people. So that would be solo scriptura. God cannot speak at all apart from the Bible. But we believe in sola scriptura, that God speaks through his word as his highest authority, but there are lesser courts of authority. And what this means is he's never going to say or ask us to do anything that's going to contradict the Bible. And so God can and will guide us and speak to us. And I want us to be open to this. Okay, As we pray, as we discern things, as we process things, God is going to reveal things to us. He's going to give us dreams and visions and words and, and impressions. But if, if you don't know your Bible, 
You could believe the wrong voice in your heart. You could hear yourself. You could hear the devil masquerading as an angel of light. And so when we follow impressions and prophetic words and senses, we must know our Bibles. And we must do that in community. So, we need to redefine success as radically doing God's will. And the Bible is going to be our first and main and primary way of figuring out what that is. And there will be specific things that God will lead us in. Should we, should, should we buy this house? Should we not? You're not going to find the answer to the, in the Bible, but it doesn't mean that you can't and shouldn't consult God on it. Now, I want to land here with just three things when it comes to the will of God for our lives. These are just three parts of it and three questions that you can ask when it comes to making decisions, uh, when it comes to um, opening up the way we define success and defining it in terms of God's way. Here we are. Here's, some, here's three concepts, three things I want us to hold on to. Number one, spiritual trans, transformation beneath the surface. This has got to be key in our thinking, okay? Becoming a certain type of person has to be a grid or a lens that we see life through and that we make decisions uh, through. So who am I becoming? That's the question you want to ask. Who am I becoming? If I make this decision, who will I become if I continue to, down this path? Second one, committing to God's people. Committing to God's people. Am I genuinely invested and involved in the local church? Or is this decision going to pull me away from that? Is this decision going to isolate me from God's people, God's community, um, and ultimately uh, the, 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 the entity that God is working through in the world? Remember, the one, one of the main things Jesus is doing is he's building his church. You want to be a part of that in a genuine local expression. And thirdly, being salt and light. This is huge, being salt and light. We are meant to be serving the world around us. And so the question you want to ask yourself here is, how is my witness as a Christ follower? What is this decision going to say about Christ? What, is this going to, what does this decision mean for the furthering of the gospel in, um, in, in my life, in my sphere, in my community, in my business, whatever it might be? And I hope that we can use these questions and these frameworks when we come to planning and making decisions in our lives. If I say yes to this thing in front of me, whatever it might be, who am I becoming? What's it going to mean for my commitment to God's people? And how is this furthering my mission to be a witness for Jesus? I hope this is helpful and we'll keep going on the journey tomorrow. Father, thank you for uh, your word, which is your revealed will to us. I thank you for some of Pete's Zero stuff that we've managed to touch on today. And I pray that you would help us refigure our minds, refigure our brains so that we have a new definition and we truly hold on to that definition of what success in this life really looks like radically doing your will, pleasing you, being a sweet aroma to the God that we love who has died for us, God. We want to we wanna live lives in response to your goodness and grace towards us. So help us do that. Amen.